Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by actress Antonia Campbell-Hughes to talk about her latest film, Cordelia. Cordelia is about a woman who meets her mysterious London neighbor, Frank, for the first time and quickly becomes suspicious of his motives. She begins to unravel and sink back into past traumas with Frank around, making her paranoid and dangerous. This is a great film and I had a great time chatting with Antonia about the film. It's currently in theaters. Hope you enjoy the show. Thanks. There we go. Um, I wouldn't want to go through one of these as I have before and not click that button because that's the worst feeling when you make it. Oh, yeah, I've heard that people have had that terrible thing happen. Yeah, it, it's um, the complete lack of professionalism on my end, yeah. and it wouldn't be the And worst. on the other end, when people have not hit mute when they thought they'd hit mute, <laughs> you know, I've well, heard I think we've all learned not to talk shit. Um, over yeah. a Zoom call until you're short well, everything. The videos off and then they stand up and reveal the goods. <laughs> exactly. Thank, thank you so much for taking time to do this today. I really do appreciate it. No um, I, I just, I mean, I guess the first obvious question for this is where did this come from? Where did the idea for this? Because this is something that's a very personal project for you with you, um, your involvement in it with the writing and being... Cool. And, well, it's, it's- I have to say, well, it's Adrian's story, the director's story, so it's not mine at all. Um, It's very much, uh, like, he wrote it, I think, 2007. So I only met him in 2016. Um, So, and we worked together on something else. Like, I was an actor in a TV show that he was directing. And so he had this script that he'd written that's very personal to him. And it was, like, a combination of experiences from his own life and he'd written it for an actress called Sally Hawkins and kind of her experiences and their relationship and um and then what happens with films happens where it kind of develops and then stops and becomes stagnant and when he met me he thought ah there's there's the perfect ticket (laughs) Um, so uh so yeah so I did co-write on it so what he did very generously because you know, that's why I think is really, that also is what drew me to it, is, um, we're, you know, we're vastly apart in generations. He's been a man in the 70s. And I think that collaborative aspect and the generosity for um, a director to hand a script that is so personal to him for me to infuse. And he said, if you're going to perform this film, because it's so heavily laden with Cordelia, um, it's very important to have that um, female performance voice through it, you know. So, and he knew that I had been writing for a very long time. And is how significant would you say the changes were adding the female perspective to this from when you initially came on when you when you initially read it to what I saw last night? Well, actually, I would say that I mean the changes were actually maybe more practical like there was a lot of characters because what happens again is when something is so personal as it was to him um you know everything is very precious so there were so many characters that lived in the building and they kept popping in and um I think I just kind of honed it a little bit and what was very important for me was about making sure that what Cordelia is is doing because I don't think it is like a psychotic break I think it's very important that she is somebody who's rigid 
in her existence. And that is a performance in the beginning. And what we see is that performance melting away. And actually it's almost like, um, you know, uh, like, um, uh, uh, you know, like um, a crystal, um, like an, an, an insect kind of exploding. Coming out of the chrysalis. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but I was like, that's too beautiful an analogy. <laughs> that's why I was hesitating with it. Because it is almost like an insect creeping out as like an alien almost. And yeah. that, yeah, and so it's like she's wearing this kind of mask that's very accepted in society. That's this cliche, diminutive, mouse-like female that the, the society will accept and can exist in the world kind of cloaked mm-hmm. and and hidden. But the the real, you know, when she goes this, through this trans uh, metamorphosis, let's say, um, that's when the real kind of beast is unveiled. Um, so you can kind of see it right away, though, when you go back and watch this a second time. Though, if you think of that opening sequence on it of the film, it plays very differently when you know where this is headed. Um, yeah. And that's very it's internalized, though. And when you can kind of see those sort of hints at where you're going to be and it's all there but it's very yeah. small and it doesn't draw attention to itself but it's something that really does warrant a rewatch to see what you're doing and how you're laying the groundwork for where this is headed yeah well good i'm glad to say it because i used to worry that people go oh what strange acting <laughs> because for me it was interesting because i wanted her to seem quite performed you know mm-hmm. like someone who's really kind of like a little robot like a weird little kind of strange rigid almost it's almost like she's stuck in a time warp effectively and that is what it is because of what happened to her um but is that she's just someone who's like on the verge of breaking and always having to hold in this quite dark energy and that results in this sort of click strange way of being and that was what the intention of the first half of what she is and then it was very important to me that then when she changes that her everything about Cordelia's her physicality changes like the there's a looseness like she becomes like a panther is kind mm-hmm. of what I was trying to say. um yeah and that's quite terrifying because we usually see the opposite you know we see someone who's quite loose and then they they change like yeah yeah no 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 that, that makes perfect sense and it's um there was an element that of all of all things I'm, I'm not sure this would there's the 1970s version of invasion of the body snatchers where you can yeah. see people imitating what humans are. And it had yeah. that feeling to me in a way where it was, it was human adjacent. It was just next to like, it's somebody impersonating what normal is supposed to be. And it's really, yeah. really fun to watch. Oh, that's yeah, that's great. Because I mean, again, like I had all these n- concepts of, you know, I think that the apartment that she lives in, you know, that could be, I mean, to me, the textures of it, it looked like the walls are wet. Like it looked mm. like the inside, like, I'm like, this is obviously like an alien planet where this is a living organism. And I felt that, you know, that's kind of what it is, that she was like living inside this big animal alien organism, like with entrails and everything is soupy and, and smells weird. And that, um, I mean, it's science fiction ultimately. You know? <laughs> yeah. And the there's things like such a simple little touches in here, like the way that the phone rings. And that noise of that, the repetitive, horrible, horrible noise. I've never heard a phone ring that was as unnerving as it is in this film. And it's something so much so that my 11-year-old came out into the living room last night to find out what the hell was going on because he heard Oh, my God, it's a phone. 
Exactly. He assumed somebody's alarm was going off or something like that. And he, if he wasn't wrong to some degree, but yeah. it's just, yeah, the, this is such a wonderfully layered little film. That's um, it's not obvious where it's going, but when it gets there, it definitely, it pays rewards for being patient with it. Yeah. Great. Um, no, it's definitely an odd one. And that's why, and I think that kind of is a result of two people working together who are, you know, different genders and such a, a generational parallels, you know, or opposites. Um, and that's what, again, is very interesting to me, you know, because that's kind of how people used to work, like, historically, so, you know, obviously Polanski, et cetera. But, um, you know, so that is kind of the result. And all those elements that you speak about, as they're not, they weren't kind of contrived. They are very much Adrian's history. You know, he's a man of a certain generation. Yeah, and that's true that set is modeled exactly on an apartment that he lived in for a very long time, like wall for wall, like exactly the, the floor, the floor plans of these apartments that exist in Bloomsbury that are, that have been there for so long and they are time warps. Today's episode of the following films podcast is brought to you by Bookman's. So after talking with Mika, I went into Bookman's and I was dead set on finding a film. Didn't really care which one. <laughs> I was pretty open to it, uh, to seeing a film that was filmed in Tucson. And there's quite a few. Um, obviously, all the big westerns that everyone knows, and then kind of these 80s comedies, um, like, what was it, uh, Can't Hardly Wait and Revenge of the Nerds, a bunch of films like that, and then some more forgettable ones, although some that have really big followings, like The Wraith with Charlie Sheen. All these movies came to mind. Um, there was also, I think, was it the My Science Project? The, I think that was the name of the movie where there was a, a time machine. They filmed that out by the Boneyard, um, the airplane graveyard in town. Can't I can't remember the name of that one. I think that was it, but I'm pretty sure they filmed that here, and I haven't seen it in... God, probably 20 years now. So, but I was open to really anything. And when I started looking through the films, I came across something that I hadn't seen in a really long time. And it's a movie that I absolutely loved. And I'd almost kind of forgotten about this one. And I think that this is a film that a lot of people have forgotten about. Uh, it's a 1999 film or 1995 film by Sam Raimi called The Quick and the Dead. That's uh, a Western that he did uh, starring Sharon Stone, Gene Hackman. Russell Crowe and Leonardo DiCaprio. Uh, notably, this is the first American film that Russell Crowe did, and it's an amazing performance. I mean, obviously, Gene Hackman is great here. Uh, Sharon Stone actually does a great job as the uh, <laughs> her version of the grizzled loner at the center of the film. And it, it's written by Simon Moore, um, who notably, I think he did the BBC version of Traffic, that was later turned into uh, the film by Steven Soderbergh. This was the BBC miniseries. He wrote the screenplay for this. And I think Joss Whedon also uh, worked on the screenplay. But this is an amazing film. It's crazy violent. It's a lot of fun. The cinematography in it is some of the most creative um, that you'll see in a big budget movie like this. So it was Sam Raimi took all of those tricks that he learned in... Uh, on the Evil Dead films, Army of Darkness, these more low-budget films, and brought 
those skills that he had <laughs> he had developed to this big budget western that at the time was critically uh, panned and it was also kind of a financial disaster and I think that's why it's a film that's really overlooked at this point in time and I think it's one of those ones that should be revisited because this is definitely a film that should be reevaluated if we can take the time to go back and find the merits of Halloween 3 I, I think the genre fan should really give quick in the dead a second look or a third look just to go back and see how it holds up because after watching this this weekend uh yeah this is a great film this is something that i really enjoyed and one that i do highly recommend and that's the great thing about going into bookman's i have such a this slightly specific but very open-ended uh kind of adventure that i'm looking to or um quest that i'm on rather and they've had it and they actually had something much cooler than i was expecting to find so remember bookman's they have your cool covered enjoy the rest of the show and i think that it's something that it does come through because the film never feels dishonest to itself and it does feel personal in a way that most films of this nature don't and i would never have guessed and it's something that's so wonderful about this and i think it's probably the collaboration between the two of you that this was written by directed by somebody that was 70 years old or somebody that was 30 years my senior because it honestly in despite having the female character at the center of this it was something i felt myself projecting myself into constantly throughout the film i felt very invested in this world and really i couldn't be more different than either of the creators on either side of this and it just, it's pretty i think that's something that happens when you have those points of view that are so wildly different that are coming together on something you do end up with something really unique in that way. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I find um, visuals to me on screen are very important and that they're true and authentic. And, you know, you, I do think that sometimes, you know, so many things are shot and sound stages and they're just for functional reasons, but set builds like that are a gift and, you know, they can give that sort of altered visual experience or heightened visual experience. And, you know, that's, I mean, I keep saying The Shining, but like that was a film that really impacted me on my childhood. And I didn't see many films as a kid growing up because I grew up in Switzerland. And, you know, the Omen films, obviously, as well. But like, um, it is, you know, it's that hotel. Everyone knows that hotel, you know, and what happens in the hallways and the way they are and the tent, the feel and the texture of them. And what was really, I think, is really unique about Cordelia is that aspect of London, you know, it's it's a London I didn't grow up with, but it's so terrifying and so magical at once. You know, it's a place you really want to get to know and see. Like it's quite unique and we don't see it very much in on our screens. No, no, not at all. And it's something that is incredibly specific and in that way, because it is very authentic, you can feel when something, even if you're not conscious of it, even if you don't know if you've never been to a city before, I think when it's an honest representation of it, it does, you can feel that it feels lived in. It feels like this is a fully realized world. And it's almost something that's very difficult to, um, to express when it's off, but you can just tell when it is. Yeah. Well, that, cause we all understand, you know, like the creepy house on the hill or the cabin in the woods, you know, mm-hmm. those were familiar with that. But um, this is what I thought was so interesting because you know, um, ultimately what drew me to the project was the fact that it is this idea of capital cities and people who live 
on top of each other like rats effectively mm -hmm. and they don't interact and you can hear when you listen to people through a wall for year after year after year and then you construct these ideas of them being your foe or your friend etc and um and that tension in like one sort of huge like ant farm sort of thing in, in a membrane um is really interesting but uh you know again we don't really unpick that uh yeah no but it, but it's clearly there though it is something that um I, I couldn't imagine watching this and wanting to spend a weekend in london after this it's not something that you really <laughs> yes I, I wouldn't call it a, a love letter per se to the city yeah. but, it, but, but it is something that it it shows a beauty in a way um mm -hmm. but it's an unnerving beauty it's something that there's a danger to it if that makes sense yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, I think that's what's great about the scenes that are outside because they're like, you can very, then it you understand that she's almost, even though the apartment's not underground, really, it feels like she's going into this lair, like she's retreating into literally an alien's lair. So. Yeah, well, I, 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 that was the thing. I wasn't sure how much to give away in this because I went into this completely blind. I read um, the little tiny synopsis of it, I saw the image and that's enough. I, I was, I was interested it just enough to pique my curiosity. And I think that it, it's, if you can go into this pretty blind, it really will. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I think you could tell this whole story and tell it, but, and not ruin it for people in a way, because this is something that it is the specific performances. It's the way that it's shot. It's the way it's constructed. That is the real magic of this movie. It's not something that hinges on a plot point. So I think you could, this is something that feels spoiler proof to me in that way. Cool. cool. That's good. No, <laughs> because, <laughs> and it is, <laughs> no, and also like, um, you know, the dynamic between Frank and Cordelia, Johnny Flynn's character is, it's constantly shifting. You can never quite figure out who's in charge, you know, mm. who's winning. Like it is this constant dance. And they're both, they're both basically the same, two halves of the same whole, of a whole. I think they're both people who are masquerading as something in the world. And that, that dynamic is constantly shifting. And so when you have that tension and you can't quite figure out where you are, there it's sort of spoiler proof, as you say. Yeah. And it's, um, and, that, and I think that's where I found myself projecting into the film because I think that duality is something that we all go through. You have the professional side of yourself that you present when you're in that environment. You have a side of yourself that you present when you're at home. And then you have the side that you present when you're by yourself. And it's, yeah. you don't know how honest any of those are. It's not like when I'm by myself, when I'm without my spouse, when I'm not at work, I'm somehow the fully realized true version of myself. I don't think that's true. I think they're all valid and they all are something that makes up the total sum of a human. Yeah. Well, that's um, <laughs> without being turning into a complete psychopath, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, it's fine if like it's a, if it's a kind of friendly version rather than um, if you're not. Yeah. Oh well, yeah. I mean, I, I think that's the, um, that that's the, the genre element of it that makes it a, a more fun story than a projection of this completely like the thing is again even though this is like a heightened sort of genre adjacent piece i do think there's a lot of true humanity in it that's very relatable well that's what makes the best genre films are that yeah. if it's not based in humanity if it's not based in emotion if it's not based in 
some form of reality that feels honest at the very least to itself, um, then it's difficult to connect with it. Um, but then again, you have things like The Shining that are, I can't connect with that at all, but it still really does work, as you mentioned. That, and I feel sorry for anybody that can see themselves in that film. Being an expert-er. Um, but, I mean, I thought, you know, things, films that I think are kind of really interesting, you know, like Gaspar Noé's Climax and, uh, yes. you know, it's it's because they're so adjacent to what could happen, potentially, mm-hmm. you know? Because when you, like, when you stress the brain out enough, it can go that extra beat further. And, um, uh, and you know, that's why things like Suspiria and, you know, um, Black Swan is just about stress. When you push... Like when people push their their physical um, uh, capabilities to a certain point, you know, when they, the body's under so much stress, which is what happens with Cordelia, then you know things happen. I was about to say the mind plays tricks, or events occur. Either or, who knows? Yeah, it's there's a that thin membrane that separates mm-hmm. um, somebody from, I guess, that real world in this film and this heightened reality and it feels it's very very thin and it can be pierced in any moment and i think that's yeah. what's so beautiful about it yeah but yeah. I mean, but I think it's, well it's also like a simple things like road rage you know like that's why sometimes people really like uh i don't know if i can say lose their shit like on their, no, 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 you're fine yeah yeah please um but they do you know people can do extraordinary acts when they're pushed beyond what they can handle yeah. well n- yeah, it's the, and I guess it depends on the day. What would be that thing that would set you off or that could um, cause you to snap in that point? Because, you know, most of us, we can handle getting cut off on the freeway. But I guess if you get <laughs> the moment, it's, yeah. I personally tend to try to feel like I'm in everyone's way when I'm when I'm driving on the freeway, that it's I don't feel any sense of entitlement that I'm driving oh, at 80, oh, 80 miles generous. an hour. Well, I'm sorry? You're very generous. Well, I think you're unplugged. Oh, you're muted. You're muted, I think. That's okay. Sorry. <laughs> of course, now we mentioned that before, the accident of uh, being muted, and I think I hit my space bar because, you know, getting way too uh, yeah, yeah. animated talking about road oh. rage, <laughs> stuff muted. But um, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I know we're running out of time, but this is a wonderful, wonderful film, and I think that it's something that... And people that aren't even necessarily fans of this type of genre work would enjoy this. If you just enjoy watching performance, you want something that's a little bit unnerving, this is a really good film in that way. I think it's something that the genre fans will definitely appreciate, but I think you have the chance to really expand that and have people that maybe not be in bed for something. Super. Great. Thank you. I hope so. Well, thank you so much, and congratulations on the film. It's a great one. Thank you. Thanks. See you. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Time enough to figure you out Time enough to write this down Wish me luck, give me hope
always crack.